Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry, with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. Blue Wire. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History title. Bang! Tie game with five seconds remaining. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods, fickle bunch. Oh, yeah. So easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. Anyway, welcome you into Full Slate, a Blue Wire Gambling Podcast. My name is Greg Frank. You can find me on Gambling Twitter at UndercoverGreg, at G underscore Frank6. For the rest of my sports takes, movie takes, food takes, whatever's on my mind, as it is the Elite Eight. Now, as we're down to, what, seven games left in the tournament? So, it's funny, every time we get towards the end of a playoffs in any sport, I I find myself thinking that more and more over the years. I've come to value more quantity than quality when it comes to my sports viewing pleasures. And I think that's because you don't know when the quantity deduces if you're going to get the quality, right? Everybody thinks, well, Super Bowl Sunday is the biggest day in the NFL. And for the casuals, it probably is. But us diehards probably know the Super Bowl could suck and has sucked. And it's one game. And not all of them are thrillers. So, uh, with that said, I mean, I'll take any regular season Sunday where we have seven hours. There's a little Scott Hansen of commercial free football because I know that I'm probably going to get one or two good games in there. And, uh, you know, there's just a better likelihood of a few of those games being highly competitive and entertaining. And that's kind of how I feel about the tournament. I mean... Those first two days are the best two days. And I don't immediately start to get into this negative Nancy, like pessimistic frame of mind, glass half empty, come 
the Saturday of the first weekend, but certainly the Saturday of the second weekend now as we sit here, as I said, with just seven games left, four regional finals and then two national semifinals and a championship game. It crosses my mind a little bit. So, without further ado, let's talk about the games that we do have. And, hey, let's try and stay hot, as uh, we did not give out a loser on the Sweet 16 pod. And we'll try and run through these four regional finals as best we can with uh, how I kind of see the games breaking down. And, uh, hopefully, as I said, cash some more tickets. Let's get started today. At the world's most famous arena as the Florida Atlantic Owls take on the Kansas State Wildcats in the East Regional Final. And it's been quite the ride for both of these teams as FAU obviously flew under the radar all season in Conference USA um, and had a 31-3 regular season in Conference Tournament uh, to get to this point. Nine seed uh, in the East Region. And here are the Kansas State Wildcats who were picked last in the Big 12 and are now playing for a spot in the Final Four. Uh, Jerome Tang, I believe, is the National Coach of the Year. And, uh, you know, so it's two good stories, and somebody's going to be in the Final Four. As far as the point spread and the total, we're seeing Kansas State laying one and a hook and a total of 144. And I will say... Kansas State, a very public side here. John Ewing from BetMGM tweeted out that at MGM, Kansas State is taking 86% of the tickets uh, and 87% of the money. So uh, it feels like this is just one-way action. At least at MGM, I can't imagine it's that much different at many books. But that number just kind of sitting there at one in the hook. And I'll be honest, my initial thought after Thursday night was, yeah, Florida Atlantic really didn't even play that well against Tennessee. And Tennessee kind of Rick Barnes didn't marched it. And, you know, Kansas State is playing at a higher level than Florida Atlantic. Then you see this line and you think, eh, you know, I don't know. Like, I, I, is it that simple? Is it that easy? Where the team that I think a lot of people, obviously, as indicated by those betting splits, a lot of people believe Kansas State's just a superior team as a one-and-a-half point favorite here. And I'll point out that while Florida Atlantic, I think, to an extent, was aided by Tennessee's offensive cold streak in the second half, uh, FAU in the entire tournament has not shot the ball that well from three-point land. Now, you can, I'm going to talk about three-point field goal percentage a lot here today uh, because I think in a tournament that's based on kind of statistical randomness. Uh, Three-point field goal percentage if you, you, is one that you kind of expect to ebb and flow a little bit. And tournament-wide, three-point shooting has been bad, and there's been a lot of conversations about the balls that they've been using. Um, but specific to Florida Atlantic, 28.6%, 29%, and 30% in the three games from the three-point line are the Owls. I will remind you, in the regular season, FAU was a top 50 team in the nation in three-point field goal percentage. That's in contrast with Kansas State's 175th in the nation in three-point field goal percentage. Having said that, Kansas State shot 11 for 24 from three on Thursday against Michigan State. 
but the percentages for K-State well below 30% from the three-point line against Montana State in the first round and Kentucky in the second round. So I do expect, obviously, Kansas State to regress to its statistical mean from the three-point land, and I think Florida Atlantic maybe shoots a little bit better in this game, and I think if you're Florida Atlantic, you're saying, hey, wait a second, we haven't even played our best game yet of this tournament. Because as I said, it did take a little bit of cooperation there in the second half from Tennessee. And yeah, you know, they, they certainly, I, I don't know if played down is fair, but they certainly were in a competitive game really from start to finish against Fairleigh Dickinson, did not cover the point spread. And against Memphis... You know, obviously the game went right down to the wire and they easily could have lost. And that's another thing. I understand it's the Elite Eight and you would think everybody's motivated, but I kind of think maybe there's a little bit of a mental, like, motivational edge here. You're talking about college kids and you never know what's going through their heads. And I think if we just look at, if we try and go inside the minds of these kids right now, Florida Atlantic, to an extent, maybe they're saying, hey, we're still not getting a lot of love here. Because after the first round, everybody said, well, Memphis should have been granted the timeout, if you remember how that game ended in the final 10 to 15 seconds. One of the more controversial first games, first round games of the NCAA tournament. Memphis was not granted a timeout on a, an, uh, on a possession kerfuffle, and the jump ball was what the call was, and the possession arrow favored Florida Atlantic. Owls were down one with 15 seconds left and flipped the score from down one to up one, and their one-point margin held up and Florida Atlantic won the game. So that's what everybody heard about in their first game. Then the second game, of course, they didn't have to play Purdue, so they were the fortunate beneficiary of a 16-1 upset. And then I'm sure there's a lot of people in that after, coming after that Sweet 16 game that, you know, I said it earlier just a few minutes ago, they're saying, oh, well, Rick Barnes in March. Like, that's what his teams do. So... I feel like Florida Atlantic maybe comes in with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder still, despite the fact that this is the Elite Eight. And then you look at Kansas State and you say, would you understand if there was a little bit of a letdown here? After the overtime win against Michigan State, after everybody is watching that Keontae Johnson lob from Marquise Noel, and uh, was it designed, and you know, was he... Talking shit to Isaiah Thomas and Mateen Cleaves in the stands. And, it, it, you know, obviously that was one of the, if not the best game of the tournament. So do they get back up now? Not only Michigan State, but, I mean, I, I think Michigan State is a blue blood. So Michigan State and Kentucky, back-to-back rounds for Kansas State. They've knocked out blue bloods of the sport. Now they're playing Florida Atlantic. So is there maybe a little bit of an element here for Kansas State of, well, We've already kind of done the heavy lifting. And now this should be a little bit easier against FAU. Another eerie thing about this line. We were right in the, we were right around the same number against Michigan State. It was ping-ponging back and forth between Michigan State favored by one, one and a half, Kansas State favored by one, one and a half. We were kind of right in that pick 'em dead zone. A little bit curious here that FAU is only catching one and a half. So if you haven't caught my drift by now, I'm going to be on the Owls. Plus one and a half 
And I, I again, I, I think there's probably some positive regression for Florida Atlantic from an outside shooting perspective. I think maybe Kansas State comes in a little fat and happy. And, uh, you know, I could see Florida Atlantic maybe blitzing them early if you wanted to prefer the first half side, if you felt like maybe Kansas State isn't going to be ready to play. I, I just think Florida Atlantic is a really good team and has not played its best yet in this tournament. And I will take Florida Atlantic in the first game. Uh, let's go to what some people are calling the de facto national championship in America's playground as the Kansas, excuse me, the Gonzaga Bulldogs square off with the Connecticut Huskies, UConn, a two and a half point favorite in the West Regional Final, a total of 153. And UConn is that, you know, much how I talked about Kansas State was a very public side, and I don't fully agree with all that Kansas State money, hence part of the reason why I'm on Florida Atlantic in the first game today. I also look at UConn here as a train that I don't want to step in front of. So while Connecticut is the public side, I do think it's interesting that the splits are less tilted in Connecticut's favor in the West Regional Final than they are in Kansas State's favor in the East Regional Final. But having said that, Connecticut is a public side that I don't want to step in front of because the Huskies, I believe they're the favorites now to win the NCAA tournament. Of course, with all of the top seeds, no number one seeds in the NCAA tournament for the first, excuse me, in the Elite Eight for the first time ever. Uh, so I don't want to step in front of UConn. Uh, but I also don't, I'm not running to the window with the Huskies. So I'm going to look more at the total in this game. And I'm going to be on the over. I think that Part of what makes Connecticut dangerous is if we look at the three tournament games that Connecticut has played. Scoring and pacing have been a little bit different in each one. Okay, in the first half against Iona, it was a little more low scoring. Iona was right in the game. And then Connecticut absolutely blitzed the Gales in the second half and ran away with it to the tune of a blowout victory, 87 to 63. Now you do the math there, 150 total points. Second game of the tournament for UConn against St. Mary's. They blanketed Aiden Mahaney, who is one of the better guards in the country. Certainly maybe the best mid-major guard in the country. Mahaney only went 4 for 13 from the field, and Connecticut wins a lower scoring game, 70 to 55. 125 total points. And then against Arkansas, Connecticut scores a ton. Jordan Hawkins makes a bunch of threes. And UConn wins at 88 to 65. Which lands exactly on this 153 total that we have tonight against Gonzaga. Now, why do I say those totals of the previous games? It's because... Well, first off, as I said, you saw Connecticut win a couple games in the 150s, and then you saw Connecticut win a game with 125 total points, and all three wins were by double digits. So that probably also explains why I can't step in front of UConn right now. Because whether it is with Sonogo and the rest of the front court beating up inside and on the glass in a slower-paced game, or whether it's Hawkins and the rest of their guards on the perimeter hitting shots and running things up into the 80s, 
they're finding a lot of different ways to beat teams. Now, the reason why I like the over here, similar vibes to what I talked about with the UCLA-Gonzaga game, where if you're Gonzaga, I don't see any other path other than trying to turn this thing into a track meet, trying to get up and down with your guards, Julian Strother, Rasier Bolton, for a guy of his size, Timmy runs the floor pretty well. And we saw him obviously have a monster game against UCLA. And this is going to be a much taller task against Adama Sonogo tonight. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. But I don't see any other path for Gonzaga other than trying to make this a track meet, hit some shots, and take your chances in the closing minutes the way it did against UCLA. And you look at the way Gonzaga has played. like they, They're fine playing games in the 80s. 82 against Grand Canyon, 84 against TCU, 79 against UCLA. And let's also remember that the UCLA game went over the total despite the fact that UCLA had an 11-minute stretch in the second half without making a, without making a field goal. And Mick Cronin talked after the game about how he felt like his kids just were missing open shots. And so, Gonzaga's not a very good defensive team. And UConn's going to score. Like, I, I, I know that much here. Because, as I said, UConn has scored against Iona and scored against Arkansas in this tournament. And Gonzaga, as I said, has had its fair share of defensive miscues. That's all season. I mean, there's a reason Gonzaga came into this tournament with maybe a little less pressure, maybe a little less buzz, because... The Zags did leak a little bit of oil in the WCC even. Lost the game to Loyola Marymount in the conference. Lost to St. Mary's in the conference. Um, but they started to really turn it on and play better down the stretch of the regular season. Won the WCC conference tournament. And here they are now in the regional final. So I don't want to fade a Gonzaga team that maybe is playing its best basketball of the season right now. And so I, I think the better play here is to go over the 153 because I know Gonzaga needs to score and UConn has no problem playing that kind of a game. So I'll take the game to go over the 153. I got it at actually at 153 and a half. Um, and I would play this all the way up to 156, 157. Because I think the winner of this game scores close to 90. 
and it'll be competitive. Like I, you know, that that's the other thing, right? Eighty-seven, sixty-three. Iona, UConn final for the Huskies. We're still almost at one fifty-three and a blowout for UConn. Eighty-eight, sixty-five, another blowout in the regional semifinal against Arkansas last round, and we're right on one fifty-three. So. All Gonzaga needs to do is be a little more competitive than Iona and Arkansas. And again, I feel pretty good about UConn scoring and the pace being conducive to, you know, a first to 85 winner here, let's say. Let's go to the games on Sunday now, and we're going to begin in Louisville with the Creighton Blue Jays taking on the San Diego State Aztecs after San Diego State pulled the upset on... Alabama last night. Creighton is a one and a half point favorite in this game, a total of 133 and a half. And I'm going to take the Blue Jays here. I'm going to lay the short number and take Creighton uh, because for as much love as UConn is getting right now, this is going to be a bet on the Big East and a bet on Creighton right now. By the way, UConn, another reason I just don't want any piece of stepping in front of them, UConn hasn't lost a non-conference game this year. And perhaps we get an all-Big East championship game between Creighton and Connecticut. But uh, things looking good if you you got in on the UConn futures market, for sure. You at least have some hedging opportunities to do or to consider. But regardless, one of the bigger stories of this tournament of the last month in college basketball has been the dominance of the Big East. The Big East had three teams get to the Sweet 16, and now the Big East has a quarter of the Elite Eight with Connecticut and Creighton still playing. And one of the kind of positive byproducts that we're seeing of the Big East and how good of a season it's been for the league is the fact that now you're seeing these teams have success in the NCAA tournament in non-league games where Creighton, by the way, 3-0 and against the spread in the NCAA tournament and... Ran right through Baylor, covered a big number against Princeton, albeit, obviously, that was pretty crazy last night, that ending, if you were involved in the point spread. But regardless, Creighton is playing really well, and I think, again, as I said, positive byproduct of the Big East having such a good year is now we see these teams really start to show how strong the conference was this year when you see them dominate the way that they have at times in the NCAA tournament. And listen, that game against Baylor in the round of 32 for Creighton, I believe it was a nine-point margin of victory for Creighton, but it was bigger than that. I mean, it was watching most of that game, Creighton controlled things. And I think that, again, that's a sign of the Big East really preparing these teams well for the NCAA tournament. And, yeah, like the largest lead, I just had to confirm this, the largest lead for Creighton in that game was 18. That's on a Baylor team that won the national championship two years ago. Baylor team that was a number one seed last year uh, and obviously was at the top of the Big 12 again this year. They took it to them. And regardless of how it ended, still covered a big number last night against Princeton. So, 
you know, this will be a little square, but I just think Creighton is the better team not being priced accordingly here. I think we're getting them cheap at one and a half. Because here's the deal with San Diego State. San Diego State is a very strong defensive team, a very experienced team. But if you listened on Thursday when I talked about why I like San Diego State catching seven in the hook, I had a feeling that San Diego State was going to be able to muck it up, going to be able to defend well against Alabama and keep the game lower scoring, which it did. But I also felt like Alabama was a little bit destined for a game like that. I mean, I I felt this way for about a month now. I mean, I remember one of our regular season pods, I think our buddy Bill Christie was with me on it, and we both gave out A&M in what I believe was a regular season finale against Alabama. And we kind of talked about how the whole Brandon Miller stuff, it didn't feel like it was ever going to go away for Alabama, and it could be a lingering distraction. And sooner or later, they just weren't going to play a good game. And and they had been leaking oil towards the end of the regular season in the SEC, as we talked about with that game against A&M. Then they played better in the SEC tournament, had a good first weekend, uh, and... I still, and you know, Nick Saban comes out and seemingly takes a shot at Nate Oates. I just felt like there was enough of a distraction for Alabama where they were going to have a game like that last night. So as good as San Diego State played, I still have to look at that and say, if I had it my way, if you had to stick a gun to my head and say, good San Diego State or bad Alabama, I'm more on the side of bad Alabama there. Uh, A few other things here on Creighton. Very efficient, the Blue Jays have been lately. They shot 58% from the field in the win against Princeton. And how about 81% from the line? Also smoked Princeton on the glass last night. 47% from the field against Baylor. 100% from the free throw line. 22 for 22. And they out-rebounded a Big 12 team. 46% from the field against NC State, and that's despite shooting 3-for-20 from the three-point line against NC State. And also in the NC State game, Creighton shoots 89% from the free-throw line. So what does this tell you? It tells you that they get high-percentage shots, hence the field goal percentage is being pretty good. And in a line here of 1.5, guts of the game, free-throws, Creighton makes them. That also makes me like the Creighton side here. Uh, last thing, there's a selflessness about Creighton right now, which I think will sure help. In the first two rounds, assists were 15-3 to for Creighton against NC State, and then 14-5, to they had more assists than Baylor. So, they share the ball, they get high percentage looks, they make their free throws, and, you know, all of it makes me think that Creighton's a well-oiled machine right now. I mean, you look at this, just look at their season stats. Creighton has five guys averaging double figures. Ryan Kalkbrenner, Trey Alexander, Ryan Nemhard, Baylor Shireman, 
and Arthur Kaluma. So it's a well-diversified group of offensive production between their front court and their back court. And as I said, they're getting high percentage looks. They're making their free throws. Creighton's playing really well right now. And I think that that all Big East final actually has a good chance of happening. And you're giving me Creighton at this price, at just one and a half. I think it's cheap. I think it's maybe a little bit of too much respect for San Diego State after beating the number one overall seed. I like Creighton minus one and the hook. Last pick on the Elite Eight pod is going to take us to Kansas City for the Midwest Regional Final between the Miami Hurricanes and the Texas Longhorns. And we're seeing Texas laying four, a total of 149.5. And and I talked about, so we're on two sides and two totals in this pod as I gave out Florida Atlantic and Creighton, the over in Gonzaga and Connecticut. And we're going to end with the under in Texas and Miami. Under 150 is what I got it at. And here's why. Again, I've talked about it, how three-point field goal percentage is something I always look at, particularly in a tournament that is a one-and-done, random variance type of, you know, playoff format. And last night, Miami was unconscious from three. Nigel Pack was exceptional for the Hurricanes. And as a team, they shot 44% from three. 39% from three against IU in the round of 32, really good. And they were down to 33% against Drake in the first round. So they've gotten progressively better from the three-point line and progressively better overall in each game, right? From Drake to Indiana, then from Indiana to Houston. I will also add, while Texas isn't necessarily known for its outside shooting, Texas 7-for-12 from three-point line last night against Xavier in the Sweet 16. And the Longhorns shot have been above 50% from the field in all three games of the NCAA tournament. So, that right there is what I want to focus on when handicapping this. I watched Jim Laranega's press conference last night after the Hurricanes beat the Houston Cougars. And he kept talking about how they really needed to collapse on Houston in the paint and protect the rim and have four or five guys in the paint because not only does Houston have an NBA draft prospect in Jarris Walker in their front court, but Marcus Sasser and Jamal Shedd will attack the basket and you know score around the rim, and, and they'll, they'll live with the kick-out threes and, and things like that. that was, he, he just kept talking about how they really needed a lot of bodies in the paint defensively at all times against Houston. Well, I think the approach is kind of similar here against Texas where you have a couple of guards in Marcus Carr and Serge Jabari Rice who will look to break it down, who will look to drive to the basket, and you want to make life a little bit difficult on them. So, and and as I said, when you look at the fact that Texas has been above 50% shooting in all three games in the NCAA tournament, that would indicate that the Longhorns are getting a lot of high percentage looks, and they are getting to the basket. In today's day and age, 12 threes, which is what it attempted last night against Xavier from Texas, that's not a ton of threes to take in a game. And so, again, I think there's a level of you know urgency on Texas's part to 
get to the basket and to you know score around the rim. You know, they only took 11 threes, excuse me, uh, 13 threes against Penn State and only made one, by the way, in the round of 32. And Dylan DeSue, the big guy, was really good in that game. And then even in a game against Colgate, in which Texas kind of paced things most of the way, you know, that was their kind of outlier game where they were 13 for 23 from three. So I expect... Texas to continue to try and attack and get high percentage looks. And I think Miami, just the way that Miami game prepped against Houston will carry over. And and with short prep here, right, obviously just one day rest, I think that will help the Hurricanes. Having said that, I'm not running to the window with Miami plus four because as much as UConn might look like the best team, if anybody wanted to argue Texas has been the best team, it's a fair argument. I mean, they went right through Xavier last night. So I don't want to step in front of Texas, but I do think that Miami's game planning from the Houston game will carry over and they'll do similar things to try and defend Texas. And I don't think Miami will shoot the ball as well from the three-point line as it did against Houston in the Sweet 16. So there are the plays as we get you out of here for a Saturday. Florida Atlantic plus one and a half. Over 153 and a half. Gonzaga UConn. Creighton minus one and a half, under 150, Miami and Texas. Let's go 4-0. Let's stay hot on the college hardwood. We only have seven more games to play. Everybody enjoy these four regional finals. We'll talk to you next week for the final four. This has been Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. Shoot me a follow at Undercover Greg on gambling Twitter, at G underscore Frank 6 on my personal account as well, at Alex underscore Up 7 on our buddy Alex Uplinger's account at full underscore slate underscore pod for the podcast, Twitter as well. Those are all your handles. Again, this has been Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. Enjoy the Elite Eight and please play responsibly.